All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too-good-to-be-true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high-quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey, and I'm so excited to get started. Hello. Happy Monday. Thanks for coming back. Thanks for coming back to the pod. I'm excited about this week's episode. This week's episode is a little bit different. If you are a member of the Sober Mom Life Cafe, which is where our community lives, where we connect and get to talk all day long in our weekly Zoom meetings, or if you are a member of our Facebook group, which is, oh my God, I think we're up to 25,000 moms, which is uh, blows my mind. If you come to our meetings, if you come to our Tuesday free meeting at 11 a.m. Central. You know and love Audrey. This is a little bit behind the scenes, but Audrey is like my right-hand woman, and we go into this a little bit in the episode. She reached out to me, and she was like, you need help, and I was like, yes, I do, and she helps everything run smoothly. I, I literally could not do this without her. This It takes a lot for all of this stuff to work like it should. And all of the ideas and moving parts and people. And she just, she's a wonderful partner in all of this. And I'm so excited because she just celebrated one year of sobriety. And so I thought that this would be a great time for just you to hear what it feels like to celebrate one year of sobriety, what it takes, how she celebrated, how it feels, what she's thinking. We talk a lot about her early sobriety. She reads through some of her journal entries. So I think if you're in early sobriety and you can't imagine, you know, celebrating a week or 
10 days, 30 days, 100 days, six months, a year, if you can't imagine it, this episode is for you because she's going to show you and she's going to share how possible it is and that you really, really can do this and you can change. And how wonderful is that? Just a reminder, come and join the Sober Mom Life Cafe. This is where the community and connection lives. We have our weekly Zoom meetings. We have our exclusive Discord chat. So you get to chat with moms just like you who are figuring out this early sobriety, later sobriety, all of the things. We have our book club this week. I'm so excited. Emily Lynn Paulson, the author of Hey Hun, who has been on the podcast before, is joining our book club to talk to us and answer our questions about the book and about sobriety. So excited about that. I adore Emily. Also, I share bonus podcast episodes each week. I check in with you guys on Sunday to help kind of shift perspective for the week. We have so many things. You can sign up. You can sign up. You love the Real Sober Mom Chats where real moms share their stories and you can be on the podcast. And all of that happens at the Sober Mom Life Cafe. So come and join us. Also, don't forget, leave a five-star review with a question and I'll answer it on the podcast. Okay. I am so excited for you to fall in love with Audrey like we all have. So Audrey just celebrated one year of sobriety. And we thought that this would be a great time just to talk about such a big milestone, talk about that first year, because that's you know, generally when you're first starting out in early sobriety, I think it's the, I mean, I always talk about not counting days and counting first, but I do think that that year mark, it's just always out there, right? And people are always, they have their sights set on it. It feels like once you hit that year, it kind of then just becomes more of your identity rather than a daily decision and a daily thing that you're, I don't want to say struggle because I don't think it's always a struggle, but, and so you just hit your one year earlier this month. And I thought that this would be a great time to just talk about it. Talk about all of it, Audrey. Go, ready, set, go. (laughs) Well, and first we do have to acknowledge you had a big milestone too. I know. What was it? Suzanne had three and a half years. (laughs) Three and a half. That's a lot. That is a lot. Like, that sounds very impressive. Thank you. I think I kind of forget, you know, because I have never counted days and even in the beginning I didn't. And so I even, the three and a half mark came and went and I didn't realize it was three and a half until like two days later that I was like, oh shit, it's been three and a half. Like, I need to slow down and be like, you know, it's like a full grown toddler. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's no longer a baby. But I love how you also chatted on the Sunday check-in about another sober first so that those keep coming and that sobriety keeps delivering, you know, so you tackle these things that you don't predict coming. And then again, that gratitude for your sobriety is just, it's the gift that keeps on giving. I just think that's so, so cool. It's so true. And I think, you know, none of that is possible without being awake and present and aware Mm -hmm. That's what sobriety allows us to be, right? And yeah, if you guys missed it, if you're not a part of the Sober Mom Life Cafe, come on over because I do record a bonus podcast episode every Sunday called The Sunday Check-In, and it was my daughter's first sleepover. And you just don't – that wasn't on my list. That wasn't on my sober first checklist. It was still – sobriety was such a gift through that that I was just able to constantly like – check in with her, that she knew that no matter what time of night it was, I could come and get her. It didn't matter. Yeah, it was a good one. Well, congratulations. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Aw. You set such a good example and just like blazed such a trail and Mm. it's just amazing to watch. So thank you. I'm trying to accept that. (laughs) It's not easy. (laughs) With great reluctance. With great reluctance, I say thank you. Oh my God. Well, we're going to talk about a year because a year, yes. that's a big deal. A year is like the first probably like major milestone that you hit in sobriety. And and it's when 
a lot of things can happen in a year, right? You've gone mm-hmm. through all of the holidays. You've probably had a vacation. You've had a birthday. You've had a lot of those sober firsts that we always talk about. Let's start with your overview of when you look back, how do you feel about being one year sober? The main sentiment that I would take away is just feeling incredibly proud. Mm. I feel so proud of how far I've come and the discovery and the work that I've put into it. When I first started out, I didn't know what the work was. Like, what's this work everyone's talking about? Can you send me like some Cliff's notes here? Yes. I didn't know what I was doing. And then once you start to peel back the layers and really start focusing on loving yourself and learning more about yourself and just being open to discovering this new chapter of your life, it just unlocks so much. And I just feel immensely proud of myself and the women that we surround ourselves with. That pride is just contagious. And I think it's it's so fun to share that with everyone. So a lot of pride. I feel very proud about it. I love that because I think that especially as moms, I think when are we proud of ourselves, right? We're mm-hmm. proud of our kids all the time. We're proud of even our husbands. It's. I think it takes, and it, it shouldn't, but it does. It takes a lot for us to be proud of ourselves and for you to really stand in that and feel that, I think is just so powerful. My life has gotten so much easier. Mm. And when you first think about that, it's like, well, how is that possible, right? Like, Does bad stuff still happen? 100%. Is everyday unicorns and rainbows? Absolutely not. But by removing the chaos and the clutter and just the mental gymnastics, I just, things got so much more calm. Like my life is more approachable and navigable now. Like I can navigate the hard things. I don't yell at my kids as much. Like I'm not on that knife's edge of like, being tired or feeling at that half battery, you know, like the 50% battery. Like I was always running at that deficit that we talk about and that just affects everything. So yes, the shit still hits the fan, but like I am better equipped with myself to deal with it and it really does change it all. So that was one sentiment that I shared. And then the other was that there was another podcast that I listened to. Um, and they were several years sober as well. And they were talking about how they're kind of jealous of people who are in their first year of sobriety because of the insane amount of growth that happens. Like Mm. how many times in your life do you get this opportunity to be able to dig so deep into yourself and like see a future and plan a path forward? Yeah. So this year is just so critical in that growth. It just put things in perspective. I think I listened to that pretty early on to where I thought, wow, this is a privilege. I get to do this. Like this is such an experience and a treat, a gift to myself to pour into myself in such a way. And it it helped tamp out some of the shame, I suppose, Mm -hmm. because it's like, yes, that happened. There's things that I can't change but that all brought me to where I am today. Yeah. So I'm here for that reason. Maybe I never would have removed alcohol if I had what you call, you know, the normal in quotes relationship with it. Maybe I never would have had that opportunity to dig deep like this and have this type of self-discovery. Like it all brought me here. Totally. And I love that you're, you're 40 and that we can, and I'm 42, we can have this, like we can change at what we used to think was old, right? When my parents were 40, I thought that they were old, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And so if you have this idea of like, oh, well, you know, I can't change. It's like, no, taking alcohol out of the picture forces a change, right? As long as you are focusing on better ways to cope and healing. And like you said, like doing the work, like figuring it out is the work. (laughs) Right. And I was just kind of floundering at first. Like I went back in my kind of timeline of when I started listening to podcasts and read my sober journal. And it was like, oh, this is day four was when I started following some sober Instagram accounts. So it was interesting to go back and see like, okay, first I discovered Instagram. Right. (laughs) Then I discovered podcasts. And then I started naming the quitlet that I was reading. So it was like this interesting path. But I remember, I think it was listening to Annie Grace and she kept talking about doing the work. And then there was like non-alcoholic beverages and like, oh, but that's controversial. And I was like, 
why are these controversial? I don't get it. Like, I just felt like I still didn't know. Yes. <laughs> I was just this floundering sober baby that was just like, tell me what to do. Like, I just, what's wrong? What's right? What's up? What's down? You know, it was just such an interesting, chaotic time. Like the first month I really, I had Reframe. So that was the app that I yeah, followed. Yeah, what was that? It, it popped up in a suggested, like on my page. And finally one day I was like, all right, I'll do this freaking trial. <laughs> yeah, fine. Leave me alone. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's it's great because it, it counts the days, which is important to me or definitely was in the beginning. But then it also tells you along the way of like what's happening in your body. So that was really oh, helpful to me. Good. Like, oh, you're thinking more clearly today. Here's why, you know, and just kind of walking you through a little bit of the science. So that was appealing and interesting to me. But I just remember in those first few weeks, just like checking that every day and like I'd answer a few of the questions or I'd like read the little facts. And but that was really it. And then but then once the door opened to the podcast and the quitlet, I mean, it really was just like, whoa, okay, the information is there if I want it. And there's just I still I'm just like, keep it coming. I mean, for a while, I was just like, am I? addicted to recovery and like sobriety. (laughs) It's just such a beautiful like gateway to something better for yourself. And yeah, I've even like stripped out all of the negative influences on Instagram. So now when I, I like during COVID, I just had so many that were just like, it's 11 a.m. and you're not drinking or whatever, you know, like all the bullshit posts, but it it got into my head a little bit and normalized it. And then so all of those are gone. So like yes. I replaced all the negative stuff with sobriety, wellness, parenting. Like so I go to Instagram now and it's not like this doom scroll. It's this place of positivity and reinforcement for my why. Isn't that amazing? I mean, it's amazing that you can curate I mean, you and you really can, and, and the algorithm learns really quickly. Like you can curate your Instagram. And Instagram, I always say it gets a bad rap, but man, is it crucial sometimes in early sobriety when like you don't know people who are sober in real life, right? Like your friends, your mom friends, like you don't have right. this community in real life, and you can curate that. I don't think that that can be a you know straight replacement for actual like human connection. But you can get rid of if, – if you're scrolling Instagram and something just doesn't feel right, even if it's not the like blatant mommy wine culture stuff, but if there's an influencer or someone you follow and it just doesn't feel right, unfollow or mute for a while. And like you can curate that world so that it doesn't feel bad when you pick it up. Exactly. It's so uplifting. And I guess while we're kind of like chatting about it, I I did try to take steps forward to create – an in-person community too. We have these monthly meetups and which is incredible. It's a great experience. Like it's just so fun to go meet up with other women who get it, right? We talk about like there's the people who don't drink, but like these women get it. Yes. Like they've made this decision and this effort. So we do coffee meetups and then we've done like a dinner meetup and this week actually we're doing a pool party and like the kids are come. coming. It's on your birthday. Come. Oh, it's on my birthday. Oh my God. <laughs> yes. You guys are throwing me a party. That's so sweet. Yes, that's what it is actually. <laughs> so <Sorry>. sweet. <laughs> it was a surprise. Yeah. Oh my God. And how like far were you into your journey before you did that? Like when did you do that? So I did that in January. I don't know. I don't know really what made me decide. It was just like, let's maybe just being a part of the page. And I felt the need to take it in person. These calls are wonderful. And I love how it's women all over the country and some, you know, even internationally. But to have, yeah, to be able to meet up, we've only lived here two years. So to be able to meet new people and to have alcohol just out of the equation to where we just know we're going to sit down and just kind of connect without that even being on the table. Totally. Literally. Wait, how did you do it? Like, how did you find the people? So you know how every like neighborhood and city, they all have, for the most part, from what I've seen, we move a lot, mom's groups. So I yeah. just posted yeah. in there. I did it anonymously because I was so scared. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm a chicken shit. Yeah. It's um, okay. And no, you're not. I'm getting better. The people who responded in the comments, I then reached out to with my 
Facebook link. Yeah. So I sent it to them and we've got over 80 people now. <gasps> what? 80, 80 women in the Atlanta area. What? So it's called Sober Moms of the South. <gasps> Sober Moms of the South. You guys, if you're in the Atlanta area, reach out because that's amazing. I'm pretty proud of it. It really has kind of taken on a life of its own and it just, man, nothing can reinforce that you're going down the right path than when people are so willing and ready to be a part of it. I mean, it just, there is such a need and an interest and a curiosity that is so healthy and so wonderful that just to be able to help facilitate that in any way, I just think in person is just, is such a great way to kind of see it to fruition and, you know, have something really important in common. And it's just so much easier for me. We talk about this, like the friend dynamics. Yeah. I love meeting new friends now. I mean, I'm still awkward, obviously. Well, aren't like, we all? Can we just all say that we're awkward? Like, let's just all admit we have social anxiety. Like, we're all awkward. Like, let's just be awkward together, right? But to be able to meet new people and for them to meet you yes. as I am now, like, to me, that's almost easier because now it's like, I don't need to explain away what I once was, what I'm becoming, where I'm going. It's like, this is me. Oh, I don't drink. It's such an easy start to me. Like I don't have to like preface it with anything. Yes. And it's like, they get it. And there's no question. They're not going to say wait forever. Like there's just none of that. It's, it's all you're coming to the table, clean slate. Like this makes me think of when you posted like a flashback Facebook memories post. And then in your post was talking about your shower beer. And that like a major marital problem was when your husband replaces your shower beer with his shampoo, right? And it was like a funny, like it was meant to be. And so you posted this as a memory and you're like, wow, I can't believe, uh, you know, like this used to be. And I was like, shocked and not out of judgment. It was just such a disconnect in my head. I could not picture you who I know as a, as a sober mom. And, you know, we've connected, like you're so sober to me and live a sober life (laughs) and, and that, that I could not picture you drinking and having a shower beer. Like it was, I couldn't do it. And so I texted you. I was like, it can't calculate. It doesn't compute. Not processing. Yeah. That's a funny thing too. So I have not told a ton of people about my sobriety. And it's funny because most from my social media like has not changed at all. Like I look, live exactly the same as you would see on social media, except for the shower beers. Like shower yes. beers used to be my thing. So Which like is so funny to me. What okay, shower beers, that's like you're just Taking a shower and drinking a beer? Yes. (laughs) However, is vacation. Okay. It was vacation, Audrey. Okay. Okay. No, not on vacation. Like that was like me getting away. That was your vacation. This this started, I mean, I probably, no, I did do it in like college and stuff, but like this was my escape. Like David would watch the kids and then I am like getting in the shower. I'm probably spending 30 minutes in the shower. (laughs) This was my escape. And I'm like, maybe not 30. I'm not a water waster. People don't judge me. Yeah. Yeah. Don't come for it. This was my getaway. I'd be like like a bath. So it's like bath and wine, but yours is shower and beer. Yes. Right. So people still, it happened, one of my best guy friends the other day, like sent me some Instagram reel of like this guy talking about shower beers. Like I am known for a shower beer. Oh my God. That's how, isn't that so funny? Okay. So you're known for shower beer by like the people who have known you. And now in sobriety and this whole community that you have in sobriety, we can't put the two together. Like it, it just rejects it. It does not make sense. But I have bridged the gap. I still have a shower beer. It's just an NA beer. And I have these wonderful IPAs that I've discovered. And it's like we used to do with breweries. Like we used to love just like going and checking out new beers and new like in new cities as much as we travel and stuff. Now I I do that in a different way. But it's like I still enjoy a shower beer. Yes. It's still a little mini vacation. Wait, what is your fave? I would say athletic has the most reliably like that's that's my my that's go-to. What mom says too. I was never a beer girl being from Wisconsin. I know it's shocking. But yeah, athletic brewing is always, I think, at the top of the list. I was never like that much of a wine person. Like so many in the group, it was wine, wine, wine. Like it seems like there's only a few of us beer gals. I know I was wine. I was red wine. I was a cab. 
like a full-bodied cab, turn my teeth purple. <laughs> oh my God. Like I was in one of our like local magazines, you know, at a school fundraiser, just smiling and away, smiling away and I got purple teeth and I'm like, oh my <laughs> God. Like so embarrassing. See that? I can't imagine either. <laughs> right? I know. It's just so far removed from who we are now that it's not – yeah, it's wild. Well, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you for your community. Thank you. That's incredible. 80 women. Yeah. It's great. And every time people ask on the page, where are you guys from? So I, I end up PMing some ladies and sending the link and just, you know, it's just, it's really growing. And they're always so appreciative. Like, thank you for organizing this. I'm like, oh my gosh, thank you for being invested in your sobriety and like putting yourself out there. I mean, we're 40 plus club or 30s, you know, it's it's not easy to put yourself out there like that and leave your kids and your schedules and- And like making new friends. Yes, exactly. Yeah, that's not easy. And it it takes vulnerability too, just to be like, can I sit with you? Exactly. It's like, I feel like we all still have that in us of like, of course we want to be accepted. And that's just such a wonderful way to do it. Well, and you're, I can't remember if it was in a group or in the podcast, but when you talk about being scared and doing it anyway, I think it was a podcast. Mm. That just is something that has stuck with me so much. I mean, it's literally why I'm sitting here right now because you know, again, scared shitless. I'm sweating, obviously. If, <laughs> She's sweating. In case you were wondering. You can't hear it. You can't hear the sweat. Exactly. You're good. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> we would never know. But it's so true. And I think sobriety gives you that chance to do things that you wouldn't have done or you might have been too scared to do. And that you just do it anyway. Yes. That just Because you come off as so confident and – you're just so articulate. And just when you told me that first time, I think we were on the phone that you were scared. I was like, what? Like, it was shocking to me that you were scared of something because you just. I know when I told you, I was like, no, I'm scared before I do anything. And you were like, no, you're not. And I'm like, I'm like, no, I am. (laughs) So that's just such a helpful example of like, no, I am scared, but this needs to be said, or this community needs to be created. Like, I'm going to do it anyway. And it usually nine times out of 10 ends up being, you know, the great right thing to do, but it is freaking scary. Yeah. It is scary. And the fact that sobriety can put you in touch with what it is that you want to do or that you feel called to do or what you need or, you know, like you needed a community in person. And so you created one even though that's a scary thing to do. And that's just all muted out when alcohol is in the picture. We just don't even get to that point of realizing, oh, I really need a community, you know, of women who are going through the same thing I am. Like you wouldn't have even gotten there if alcohol was in the picture. So true. This is when I couldn't sleep last night. I was thinking about how early sobriety is like having a huge fucking piece of gum in your hair. Oh, okay. I like this. So alcohol is the gum, of course. Pain in the ass, right? And then you have to get it out. You can't use scissors. We're not taking shortcuts here, ladies. No scissors. We're not we're not doing the hack. Yeah, that would not be cute. Because then you have to cut like your whole hair or like what? Just the no, one chunk. Can't do it. Yeah, it's just- Cuz also if it's we're talking about it's like up here, right? Yeah, it's, it's at like, the roots. But also like I don't know what you were doing with your gum, but like it's it's way up. It's in there. there. Yeah. Maybe it was on the pillow or something. Something weird happened. It was yeah. on the pillow. And, yeah. You slapped with it. <laughs> also, you know, maybe <laughs> to extend it farther. Wow. Yes. But okay. So we've got this huge chunk of annoying gum in our hair. You got to take it out strand by strand, right? And Ooh, then yes. some of the strands come out easy peasy and you're making progress. And then you get to a, one that almost rips out your freaking scalp. Ooh, like a clump. Right. (laughs) Yeah, I like it. Yes, I'm into this. So, you know, eventually, piece by piece, strand by strand, you get the freaking gum out. Ooh, and you know what? Maybe, you know, community, connection, podcast, Quitlet, our peanut butter. (laughs) I did. I was like coconut oil. Yes, I Okay. <laughs> See, I went deep into the metaphor. I was like, this is too, you're getting weird. <laughs> no, 
Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Clearly. Weird sees weird. Because yes, and then it's a little lubrication, right? It's not, it's not magic. It's not going to get it out for you. But it might help the process. Exactly. Or it will help the process. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, maybe, yeah, some of that, some of the scalp ripping is like the therapy where it's like really hard and painful to get out. And then, yeah, eventually you get it out and you don't come out unscathed. You've lost some hairs doing this. Yes. But it's out now and now you can grow again. Yes. And now you can grow again. And actually, even if you've lost hairs, the hairs that are left are probably very moisturized because of the (laughs) peanut butter or coconut oil, right? Now it's lush. Yeah, it's lush. And now we're like, oh, wow. I And so like it might take a year to get the gum out, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. I love that. Well, I started with the idea of like I had to untangle myself from alcohol. Yes. It was so wrapped up in my personality. It was in my family life. It was in my work life. It was in my personal life. It had covered every aspect of my life. And then it started creeping into parenthood. And that's where I was like, no. This stops here. It's funny that you bring up the like tangling and you had to untangle because the last night that I drank, I I think I was wearing like three necklaces, right? And they were like clipped together in one of those things that was supposed to make sure that the necklaces wouldn't tangle. And of course, it didn't work, you know, where they're like in rows, right? Mm -hmm. And so I had like three gold necklaces layered and they were my favorite. And when I woke up, you know, my last hangover and I was still, ugh. the necklaces were in a knot around my neck and I left them like that for a long time because it felt like too daunting. And I I would look at those necklaces and it would be like, oh, just a reminder, kind of like that shame of like, how could I? Like, those are my favorite necklaces. How could I? And then slowly, it totally revealed itself as a metaphor to me of untangling those necklaces, looking at this. Okay, we're going to look at this because this is way too precious for me just to let just to let it go. Like, I love these necklaces and it took patience and it took like, I was like, I'm never going to get this. This is way too big. Like, I should I just throw it away? Like, and I got them untangled. Like eventually they became untangled and it was just such a, you know, it was such a metaphor. It was like gum in the hair. <laughs> I love that. Well, especially the part of like, should I just throw it away? Like, yes. I feel like that like, is, is it just too hard? Right. Exactly. I feel like that's how some of the slips can happen, right? Where it's just, fuck it. This is too hard. Toss it. Totally. And then look at what you're tossing, right? Mm -hmm. And and it was just too precious. And I was like, no, those are too precious for me to give up. When do you think like a shift happened for you in sobriety? Well, it's interesting. So when I hit the year mark, I thought I was going to be just like, oh my gosh, this is a huge day, like next birthday. The biggest milestone for me was the 100 days. Really? It was just so difficult. The first 100 days? Yes. Just as far as just all the things I was processing and just like, is this my life now? Is this forever? You know, all these things that we talk about. So when 100 days hit, I expected confetti to freaking fall from the roof because I was just like, this is amazing. So that's where I feel like the days for me started stacking. Once I hit those triple digits, I stopped checking as much. And it's just, they started, they really just stacked up. And before I knew it, it was like 150 days, 185 days, 200 days. Like all of a sudden it was just like, I think as things become your new normal, like I didn't, for a while I was dreading the weekends, like in those first hundred days, because it was just like, oh, cool. Like it's another day, you know, like it was, it was hard. I really had to retrain those habits and kind of recreate a new way of feeling like a treat. We talk about that, right? Like I told you guys about like the eye patches or I did the ice cream and like all these things to just make things feel special. Um, Yeah. Like you spoil yourself. mm -hmm, Which is so important. And it's just like caring for yourself. Yeah. It just, it's like putting your, your mask on before you put it on anyone else. Like it's just, so a hundred days, 
And then the six months is where it really felt just kind of like, okay, this is my life now. Like it wasn't the white knuckling. I felt more confident. I had those first under my belt. Yeah. And it just kind of felt like the new normal. And then I started telling people as we'd be out, like I, I never went on social media and just like made these great proclamations. But as we would go and have these social situations, I would tell people and I talk about in the group where I'd either be like really quiet and just kind of like awkward and dodge it, or I would like launch into this long story of like why I'm doing it. So, you know, there's yeah some pain points along the way as far as like figuring out how you want to articulate it. And it's so different. Yeah. It's a part of figuring it all out. Right. And a lot of people ask like, what should I say? Like, what do I say when people ask? And it's so different for everybody. I think we talk about this a lot because this can feel like an obstacle of like, okay, how am I going to present myself in my social life now that am I going to lie and say, I'm on an antibiotic? Am I going to say, oh, I don't know. I'm just trying this out when really I want this to be my lifestyle? Or am I going to say, I'm sober. I don't drink anymore, knowing that probably questions are going to come? Or am I going to launch into my story, right? And like, there's no right answer. Like we always talk about that. And it might take some like playing around with it to see what feels good. Exactly. And I mean, so when I had my 40th birthday party, it was all a bunch of my friends from college and like my family, we all like to party. So um, yeah, and I did, I just, I was busy enough to where it wasn't a big deal, but I did, I just had my like Heineken zeros and put them in a koozie thing and carried on. And it was like, I really did try to act like nothing had changed. And then you'll, you'll love this when they, we had like a live band or a one man band kind of guy playing music on our dock. Like it was just a one man band sounds really funny. I'm picturing like he has like, he has an accordion and then he's got like a tambourine on his foot and he's got like, like he's, is, was it like that? No, it was a man with a guitar. <laughs> oh. like, okay. a per- I'm sure he would appreciate being a called a one-man <laughs> band. <laughs> well, because first I was going to say a band, and then I'm like, well, that makes it sound a lot more elaborate than it was. It was one person with a guitar and a microphone. Oh, one man band. Oh, my God. Okay, so you had a guitarist? So, a guitarist, yes. A singer? Exactly. So he was singing Happy Birthday, and I felt the need to like – Per, like what would a drunk Audrey have done? So I literally Ooh. did this like ridiculous kind of like dancing to happy birthday, just like overcompensating. Okay. Cause you felt like you had to deliver. Like you were like, people know me as the life of the part. Were you the life of the party? I'm guessing. I had a good time. Yeah. I mean, I wasn't like, I don't mean like on your birthday, but I mean like drinking Audrey. That was fun. I mean, yeah, I was like the last man standing always. Some people I've heard in the podcast were like, yeah, it was like the party clown, you know, like that. It wasn't like that, but it was more of just, yeah, outgoing, fun, hamming it up. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just laughing. And just, there were a lot of good times and it's just like, it just didn't have its place anymore, you know? Yeah. You all grew it. For sure. And I love it when you say that because it's so true. Like, yes. And so the idea that you kind of felt pressure at your birthday party. Right. To deliver, right? And to say, well, this is what they're expecting. And did they think that you were drinking because your beer was in a koozie? Yeah. I mean, they assumed, but like I planned it on a – so intentionally I planned it on a Sunday in the middle of the afternoon so that it wasn't going to be – like originally they – my parents were like, let's do Saturday night and, you know, and I was just like, I'm not ready for that, you know? So – and it was really a consideration. I know this came up on the call today of just like, what do you do? It's a milestone, but like – you know, I tried to create it with some conditions involved. Yeah. But I think that's relatable in like early sobriety in that, even in that first year of being like, I don't know how to handle this. I've never done this before. I've never presented myself in a different way to my social group or to my family. Like, how does that work? And so doing what you have to do, I think that And this is what we see a lot in the group where it does start off as like, well, I'm just going to act like I am, or I'm going to pretend like I am, or I'm going to lie and say, I can't, you know, like, oh, I wish I could drink, but I'm on antibiotics. And Mm -hmm. that 
for sure has its place. And that's a way of protecting ourselves when we're just these new little sober babies, right? And when we don't know, like when we don't want to be faced with these questions that we are still trying to figure out. And like, that's okay. And I do think it generally comes to a point where that feels kind of sticky. I always say sticky because it just feels like, oh, I don't know if I want to lie anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't know what I want to say, but maybe I'm ready to kind of come out and not feel shame about this, right? And I always talk about, you know, generally, and if you're listening to this, you probably feel shame around drinking and your drinking past and things that have gone on. And we work through all of that stuff and we try to shed that shame in our groups and on the Zoom calls and everything. And that's really the goal of sobriety, right, is shedding that shame. And I think that when we keep our sobriety a secret, there is still some element of shame and we're bringing that shame into sobriety. It's just so freeing to say out loud. And I don't mean make a proclamation on a Facebook post. You know, if if you're not an influencer, that probably doesn't make sense because they're not in your lives. You know, it doesn't mean like to become a sobriety influencer, but to the people in your lives to really stand proud in your sobriety because it is something to be proud of. And there is no shame in this huge change and finding freedom from alcohol. And so being able to like really stand in that, I think is so powerful. Well, and bettering yourself. Like if they're your friends, how on earth would they not be there for you? And the people who I have shared with my closest friends, my biggest drinking buddies, like we were in the marketing advertising world, like it's crazy over there, y'all. <laughs> like, so yeah, my two biggest drinking friends, like we've had spa days, like they still drink. We've gone to restaurants. We've, I went out and visited one of them when she was temporarily living in California. Like they were just so amazing and we carried on and nothing changed. And we talked openly about sobriety and it gave me the opportunity to let myself be surprised. Like you talk about, right? So yes my closest friends who I felt comfortable chatting with it about. It was just such a wonderful and healthy reaction. And my one girlfriend was like, there's more to our friendship than drinking. And it was just like, well, I was hoping you would say that, you know? Right. Like how wonderful is that to hear? Right. And there wasn't this weird like, oh, well, if I'm not drinking, she's going to not want to drink. Like she just did her own thing and she was – mature enough to like know what's best for her. And it's like, yeah, man, it's just, it, it kills me that alcohol just gets wrapped up in all these friendships and marriages. And it's just like, man, that just shows you how freaking toxic it is like in every aspect of the word and it can separate people and just, you're just not your true self when your judgment's clouded. And when, yeah, it just, it's it's hard to hear on these groups sometimes about how these relationships get broken and damaged because of alcohol. And like you said, like what's in your cup? That is just so widely disappointing that that is where we are. But we are. Sobriety's on the upswing though. So it's that lead by example. And yeah, the people that I have told, it's been a wonderful response. And my husband's been instrumental too. And just, he still drinks, but he... He has heard me talk about sobriety so much, and he. <laughs> I think that's when I first found the group. It's like you need to find your people, but you know, he's like, I'm done listening to it. But he would never say, you know, he just really was, and I would get so frustrated, and I'd say like, you know, why is this so hard? And he's like, Audrey, how long did you drink? And I was like, oh, you know, like 20 years. And he's like, well, you're not gonna just like be closing the chapter on that and just move on overnight. He's like, 20 years of doing something is going to take some time to like recalibrate from. And so just such a good sounding board and it's had positive effects. He is, he's the best. And he does not drink as much. I mean, like on a Friday night, you're not going to sit there. I mean, I guess some husbands do, but you know, for the most part, it's kind of like, ah, well, you're not drinking. I'm not going to just sit here and like I know. Isn't that bunch. funny that sometimes you realize that you were the one pushing oh, for people sure. to drink or pushing like, <laughs> oh, like they didn't want to drink as much as I did. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's true. 
Well, do you want me to read a few things? Yes. Okay. Audrey's going to read. She just, well, you tell them. Yeah. So almost every podcast host talks about journaling, right? Like write down how you're feeling. And I go through stages with journaling. So yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like, eh, sometimes. I mean, it's a good tool, but sometimes it like, I'm like, oh, I should do that. And I'm like, no. Feels daunting. And yeah. Right. So I opened this last night. I had not, I opened it like a few months ago and started reading it and it made me like start to get pretty emotional. So I was like, I'm not ready for this. So I put it away. But then last night, knowing we were coming on today, I was like, well, let me just, you know, take a little peek. And then all of a sudden I'm like, (laughs) and then you're like, this is a great book. (laughs) Right. Exactly. (laughs) Man, like the overall sentiment of it was just, I was so ready. Like Mm. in reading these words, I'm like, oh my gosh. So I like just started out, I wrote any sober person I knew, like in person or online or celebrity. Oh, like, really? Who do I know that's sober? Did you know a lot of people who were sober in person? No, very okay. few. But like celebrities, like, yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, it was interesting. Just like, okay, these people are, are doing it. And then I even titled it. It's so funny. I'm just like, I blacked this out. <laughs> you were like, dear diary. <laughs> <laughs> I called it the path away from alcohol. Wow. I love that, right? I love it too. And so the first page is just being the best possible version of myself is the most valuable gift I could give my children. So just kind of like an overarching. Yeah. I mean, that's such a great touchstone then for when you, when all of the what ifs and the fear, then you could come back to that. And it's like, oh, right. This is why I'm doing this. Exactly. And I was like, I do not underlined, want to look back and regret how I spent these precious years with my children, precious young years with my children. That's a huge, I mean, that's huge. Should I read my day one? Yeah. Let's do it. I mainly have been alternating between being overwhelmed and being determined. I've been thinking about this in depth all day. I want to keep thinking about it, reflecting and strengthening my decision before I tell David. I want to feel like I have my head confidently wrapped around it before I say the words. I also feel fairly ashamed, like so many other people can handle it. They can stop at two drinks. They remember every detail of the night before. They're responsible. I just feel like I'm living a lie by being like this and telling myself that it's okay. It's not. I've made too many excuses for too long to myself and to others. Oh, wow. And that was day one. Day one. You do sound ready, right? It's everything that we talk about in the the whole like questioning of, well, I'm ready and I know I want this, but I'm feeling ashamed and the whys and the, wow. How does that feel to read now? I just still feel so proud to like know that and just feel that. My inner voice that I finally listened to it. You're making me cry. <laughs> That's That was my goal. You did it. I never cry on here and you did it. <laughs> and then I just said, and this is the perspective one of like, this is a privilege and not a punishment. I need to reframe that I get to do this, not that I have to do it. I get to see this brighter side of life without alcohol. I don't have to be trapped by it anymore. I'm free, free to drive at any time, free to be more honest, free to feel my feelings, to be present, intentional. This is the most obvious way to do better and be better. It was such a clear roadblock that I just kept trying to turn a blind eye to it, but it was literally at every turn. I love that. <laughs> this is the last page I wrote. I am so proud of myself. This shit has been a roller coaster of learning and growth. <laughs> it's really hard, which is why most people don't do it. I've never been one to do something so bold to swim upstream. There aren't a ton of situations I can think of that you voluntarily do to completely change. It's a bold move, and I'm so glad I listened to my heart. Oh, my gosh. I love that. I love that you wrote all of this stuff down and that you can go back. And I I, I love that it still makes you choke up. And, like, when you're thinking about little baby, little sober baby Audrey, you know, and you can, like – be so proud of how far you've come and that you started and that it was bold. Like that's the thing when we get all scared and in our heads, like, is this too drastic? And is this, is this too? And it's like, yes, it is. And isn't that wonderful? Exactly. 
and this was early on too. So I really just was like stream of consciousness of like, how do I feel about alcohol? And this is just that inner knowing that I'm just so glad I followed. I said, I've known in my heart that I've needed to do this for some time. I want to take charge before something bad happens or worse, more years go by letting it happen. Mm. And I think that really was, I had this innate fear of the what ifs and just what if I gave myself cancer because I was drinking and like that feeling of how awful would I feel if I had to, I don't know. Yeah. With the kids, just kids change everything. It really is like if that was the reason that they didn't have a mom or, I mean, that's going like super dark, but you know, like I just had to think beyond myself. But the what ifs go dark. Yes. And I I like the reminder that like, you know, we talk about the what ifs in sobriety, but the what ifs when alcohol is in the picture are so much scarier because that really is a what if because we're giving up control. Like when alcohol is invited, like it is a question mark. Because it's a sub- it's a highly addictive substance. We we are not in control when alcohol's in the picture. And so those what ifs are so fucking scary. I don't want to roll the dice anymore. And the truth of like outgrowing alcohol is as a parent, it just I don't have room or time for that anymore. I I want to set the best example I can. I think about how perceptive my children are and it's like, well, what do you want them to perceive? Like I have to show up as what I want them to see and internalize. So yeah, I just, it was fun (laughs) while it lasted, you know, it was like twenties, thirties, but like I truly did outgrow it once I became a parent, like I had to make the choice and it's, there's no looking back. Like it's just, it's a better way. It really is. It really is. Oh. What else? What do you have at three and a half years? Like you had your like brush up against your friends too, where you felt a little judged and stuff. That was another, yeah. like, do you still find friendships difficult to navigate? I mean, everyone knows now that's in your life, right? Right. And mine's a little bit different because I am misunderstood a lot with sobriety influencing and my message can be misunderstood in like that I shame moms who drink or judge moms who drink, which is never. But that just means that they've never listened to five minutes of my podcast. And I really am at the point now, you know, I turned 43 that, and it's not, it's not my close friends because they know me. Right. And so if there are people, you know, acquaintances or, kids, friends, moms, or just other school moms, if there are people who are bound and determined to misunderstand me, I'm going to let them. I just don't have this this drive to prove anymore. And that's taken a lot of work and a lot of self-reflection and like reminding myself that it's just not my job to make sure everybody likes me. Mm-hmm. And to make sure everybody understands me. And I think feeling misunderstood is really, I hate it. I don't like it. But it's just not my job to make sure everyone understands me. And like I I have so much work out there in the world (laughs) that if these people took 10 minutes to figure out what my message is, right? And to see like, okay, what is she really saying? I, I think I'm very clear that I never judge moms who drink. I never, ever will shame moms who drink. I was a mom who drank. I mean, I say, of course, like, of course we do. My whole mission is to make sure that moms understand what we're drinking and what it's actually doing to us. Mm -hmm. And that it's making motherhood harder and that it's addictive. We just don't know that it's how addictive it is. And I just see that moms are struggling. And so I think that that'll constantly be, you know, when you're kind of more in the public eye, that's just a thing, right? That you just have to be like, okay, well, I know, I know who I am and I know what my mission is. And so do the people closest to me, you know? And that's part of like the confidence of sobriety, right? So you end up like caring less what people think or the people pleasing, gosh, that gets exposed so heavily. Like, you're worried about what other people think and say and do. And it's like, you're confident in yourself now. You don't feel the need to like 
not everybody has to like you or agree with you, but like, yeah, you're putting yes. yourself out there in your most genuine and you are so good about making sure people do not feel shame because we've all come from. I hope so. Yes. Yeah. Well, because the shame. We've all done it, right? We're here, yes, right? Like we've been there, right? <laughs> right. And, and, and like no one has to shame us. We feel enough shame, right? Like, right. And, and when we feel shame about drinking, I, I just always say I just can't start from that place. Because that shame is just so corrosive. It keeps us down. It keeps us drinking. It keeps us stuck. And like the only thing I ever want to do is uplift moms and women into seeing the truth about alcohol and finding freedom from it. We talked about this in the group last night. And I just kind of went on a tangent of just about like motherhood and alcohol is just such a unique juxtaposition, right? Or I guess they're intertwined. Like, I feel like we may have just gotten lost there for a little bit, right? It's like you have kids, you get married, you have kids, your body's different, your relationship is different, your friendships are different, like everything is turned on its head. Yeah. So like that's a long time of like this kind of unknown, unsettling, like figuring your shit out type situation. So alcohol had been there all along, so then it's just the ebb and flow of that and it's just – we're kind of waking up to like, oh, this is who I want to be. Or we at least are hoping to have these conversations of like, okay, my kids are old enough now to be able to kind of like see the path I want to go. And you see alcohol just can just get intermingled in a negative way. And it's like, we just got a little lost. At least that's how I feel like my life. I kept having this inner knowing pull of like, I could be better. Like I just had this feeling and I think that's the note I was looking for. I just yeah. had this nagging feeling of like, I could be better. Like I'm great. I'm a good mom. I'm a good wife. I'm a good daughter. I'm all these things. But like it was nagging at me. Like it could be better. I just know it could. And that just pulled at me. Isn't it amazing that it was just by removing something that made you better? You were already better. We're going to end on this. Audrey's back to Dear Diary. Dear Diary. And this was on my day one, like where I was just writing random notes. I said, there is without a doubt a richness to life without alcohol that I simply won't know until I get there. I hope to report back when I feel that moment. Oh, you're reporting back. I I knew that. Like I, I just knew that in my soul. That there was something that I was missing out on and I didn't know what. And a richness. I love that word. Yes, Yes. me too. I read it now and I'm like, gosh, I knew. I just knew in my heart and everything within me, like pushed me there. And I just, that's why I'm just so proud of these women who just start their day day one or they, they just know that something has got to change. Like listen to that gut instinct your inner knowing, God, whoever it is, like we are built with that sixth sense about ourselves for a reason. Like, all right, two for two on crying. I know. I'm so happy we did this. We're going to do more of these, you guys. Audrey is is my right-hand woman. and Your um, one-man band. <laughs> Audrey is my one-man band. She's going to grab her accordion. oh my god the sober mom life cafe and community would not be what it is without her and everything she does behind the scenes and now we're bringing her forward she is reporting from a year sober i cannot thank you enough seriously like i've listened to a lot of podcasts i've followed a lot of pages but yours just hits different if you will Mm -hmm. and it's just you're changing so many people's lives. And the fact that you let me in to be a part of that, like it is just so rewarding to feel like we're making a difference. And you started all that. So I know you're humble pie over there, but you are incredible. You've changed my life. Cannot wait to hug you in person for the, when that happens for the first time, like you're just such a special person in my life. I can't thank you enough. You've changed my life. (laughs) You've changed my life too, and I love you. I love you too. <laughs> I can't wait to meet you in real life. I know. It seems crazy to even say that. But I know. Thanks for letting me come on here in my own special way. <laughs> Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. So the untangling was the work. My gosh, like that was it was so much work to untangle that freaking piece of gum. Yes. I'm just glad I made it through that metaphor without saying lubricant. You are the one who said oh that. Oh my god, I me. said lube. I said lube. <laughs> it crossed okay, my you mind can... and I was like, surely there's another way. <laughs> you can count on me. And I was like, nope, we're going nope, for the lube. Definitely. And it wasn't even lube. You said lubrication. You oh, went I for the full word. <laughs> <laughs> there's no half-assing oh it here, people. Lubrication. <laughs> Oh my God. Just consider this podcast your sobriety lubrication. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Oh, hey, it's Erin. And I'm Michaela, and we're the hosts of the Two Sober Girls podcast, and we are on a mission to spill the wild truth about sobriety. Forget the rosé all day cliche. Sobriety is flipping amazing. Absolutely. It's not just about quitting the drink. It's a gift you give yourself and your loved ones. So what are you waiting for? Break up with that old toxic relationship with alcohol and let us show you the possibilities. And here's the thing. Everything your precious heart desires becomes way easier without the influence of alcohol. We're not just two sober girls. We're also wellness coaches. We're here to show you how to optimize health, lifestyle, and beauty. Feel sexy and alive as F. So stay tuned because we're rolling out new episodes every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts and trust us. They have your name written all over them. We can't wait to share the magic of sobriety and wellness with you. Subscribe to Two Sober Girls Podcast today and come follow us on Instagram for behind the scenes action and send us a DM. We can't wait to meet you.